Welcome to The Hidden Years, a sideburn episode from Third Degree Burn Podcast. I'm Jolly John Hyatt, and with me is nonchalant Nigel Spinks. Hello. Hey, this episode we're going to cover issues four and five of X-Men Hidden Years and continue the adventures of the original X-Men during the in-between years of uh, issue 66 and the original of the original run and Giant Size X-Men 1, which introduced the new team. As told by John Byrne. Hey, Nigel. Hi, John. How's, How's things? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, we're 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 so excited about this. We're talking over each other. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Well, here we are, back for another couple of issues. Isn't this going to be fun? Continuing the Savage Land tale. Yes, yes, it's moving along at a pace, uh, but showing no signs of finishing this particular story at the moment. It's a rolling program, definitely from John it's, Byrne. It yeah. sure is. It sure is. <laughs> and so we're rolling on with the same same story, yeah, in the Savage Land. But it keeps yeah. you coming back for more. That's the idea. It sure does. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, okay, then. So. Well, you're going to start us off with issue four this time. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I'll turn issue it four. All right. So let's, uh, without further ado, let's have a look at issue four. So X-Men The Hidden Years. Now, um, other things that John Byrne was working on on this at the same time on the same month i've got again america uh, sorry uh amazing spider-man volume two number 15 uh cover date march 2000 i don't know if there's anything else that i'm aware of that he was doing at that time do you have anything probably spider-woman oh right yeah spider-woman number ah one. yes yeah that spider-woman yeah i keep forgetting about that yeah. yes matty franklin yes yeah yep True, and true, yeah. Also, what came out was Marvel The Lost Generation number 12. All right. Uh, did you read Marvel The Lost Generation? No, I didn't, no. That's the one no. that supposedly took place in the 70s, and uh, the issues ran backwards. It went from 12 to 1. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm aware of it now, you say, uh, because yeah. there was a, I think it was in either Amazing Spider-Man 15 or 16, there was like a crossover with one of the characters from that uh, Lost no. Generation. Yeah. yeah I yeah. haven't read that, so I don't know, and, and I don't hear a lot of people, or see a lot of people talking much about it, so I don't know if it's right. that good or not. And I, but think, I think Brian or Tim have um, thought about maybe we should do a couple issues or maybe tackle it over on third degree burn all right so all right yeah x-men hidden years number four uh usual team of producers if you like and the release date was january the 5th 2000 cover dated march of 2000 uh writer penciler john byrne inker tom palmer colorist Gregory Wright, letterer John Byrne, editor Jason Liebig, and editor-in-chief Bob Harris. All right, I'll start by having a look at the cover. It's a very action-packed cover, once more. Uh, very colourful, too. We have Magneto and Jean Grey in the foreground, left, left foreground. Uh, Jean is tied up, hands and feet bound, and Magneto's holding her as his prisoner, and he's firing a, a blast of some kind of power ray with his left arm at Cyclops and the Beast, who are coming in from the right-hand side. And 
they're dodging out of the way of the blast, which is hitting the back wall and sh- sending showers of scattered debris flying. So, yeah, a very, uh, very sort of powerful image. It's the kind of thing that would probably make you want to pick it up off the stand. What did you think of the cover? I like the cover. Uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty cool and definitely a very era-appropriate type of cover and uh, that that costume mm. of magnetos from the savage land um i can't say it's my favorite but i do kind of think it's cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh i think he had to wear that at the time because there's something about his powers not being back to back to their full intensity so it was helping him to power up y- yeah and he had yeah. that blaster and a jetpacky kind of thing <laughs> yes so. yeah yeah that's yeah sort of fixed uh to his uniform for his uh yeah, for his offensive weapon, if you like, yeah, and yep. a jetpack, as you say, to get around. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, great cover, like the cover a lot. Um, Now then, the hidden number. Remember those hidden numbers? I do, but I cover could not each find one. it. Could you find it? No, okay, yes, oh. right. Now, so far on the covers, uh, John Byrne's been putting the little numbers on, but if you know what you're looking for, they've been pretty easy to spot. Yeah. And once mm-hmm. you once you've seen them, you yeah, it's obvious you can find them again and again. They're sort of they're in plain sight, if you like. I think from this issue, we decided to up the ante a bit and make it a bit more of a game. <laughs> and uh, I think we'll find over the next few issues that the numbers become more hidden and not necessarily that easy to identify. Because at the moment, again, he's been writing the numbers as you would expect to see them, uh, written horizontally, yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Just as we'd see the number, just as we would write the number anywhere, that's how it appeared. Not so with this one. Uh, this one actually took me at least four separate attempts of studying it before I finally found it. It was one of the last ones that I was able to identify. So I don't blame you for not having been able to find it. It took me ages over a period of time. I kept, kept, getting, kept getting the issue out every so often and uh, having a look and then, no, I can't find it, put it back again and so on. Right, I'll give you a clue if you want to just have a quick look. It's, sure. on, it's on Marvel Girl. Does that help? Well, I don't know if it helps, but I'm looking. All right, so now I have the cover here, so I can turn it around and look at it. Yeah. No, I can't find it yet. Okay, let me focus you in on a bit more then. Head and shoulders. Uh, Wow. Oh, is it in Roman numerals? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking at the little pieces there. I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe you thought you thought you'd found it. Yeah, it gets like that when you're looking for these numbers. You start to see numbers, and you think, oh, it's, it's that, and then no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm still not finding. I'm seeing no. something. No. Okay. Look at her hair. Ah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is sneaky. You get it. Yeah, I did. Towards the back of the hair. Yep. Written vertically. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there it is. 70. Very sneaky. Seven over zero, yeah. But really blends in, doesn't it, with the with the hairlines. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, very clever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. Well, that might be a hint for uh, the next issue as well, because I couldn't find it on the next right, issue. Right, okay. But that's what we're, well, we'll that's what we're up against now. <laughs> it's, it's not so easy. Yeah. Okay, so there's the hidden number. Right. So moving on with uh, a synopsis. Okay. Now, this time I've chosen to use the Marvel Wiki synopsis because I thought it's quite good. And so it's fairly... It's fairly in-depth, and I thought I might as well use this as have to write out a, a long synopsis, which is always a bit of a pain. Um, I just tweaked one or two part sentences, sort of changed some of the, the phrases, but basically it's from the Marvel Wiki. So here we go with the synopsis for this issue, which is entitled Escape to Oblivion. Right. So, Magneto's astral projection explains to the captive Marvel girl, who is now conscious again, how he survived his last encounter with the X-Men. He was not crushed by rubble, as the X-Men believed, but instead Magneto fell into a river, which carried him deep into the Savage Land, to the city of the Nugari. Being able to form an astral projection of himself as Magneto can do, he slowly took control over the avian people. He learned that a volcano beneath the city is, em is emitting radiation, which gives people both healing and light telepathic powers. The latter explains why Gene cannot focus correctly, because there's so much telepathic noise in the background of the city. Then Magneto lets Marvel Girl know that the volcano will erupt and destroy the city very soon. Screen switch or scene switch. Not yet. Sorry, got that wrong. Meanwhile, <laughs> Angel stands before Avia, the feathered winged female, who herself seems to be a mutant among the Nugari and who saved his life earlier. One of the Nugari informs Angel that two other X-Men have entered the hangar of the city where a giant airship carried by huge balloons is docked. Right, scene switch to Bobby Drake, aka Iceman. He has reached Tierra del Fuego, but due to a massive storm in that region, no pilot is willing to fly him to Antarctica. Back in the Savage Land, as Jean listened to Magneto's story, she constantly reaches out telepathically to her fellow X-Men. Cyclops and Beast recognize that, but it takes a while until Marvel Girl can communicate a clear message. Magneto prepares for his departure and returns his astral projection back into his real body. As the volcano starts to erupt, Cyclops and Beast surprise Magneto, who gets knocked out quickly by Hank. Now the X-Men need to evacuate the city to save as many Nugari and Savage Land natives as possible. Cyclops uses the full power of his optic blasts to carve a path through the mountain, but eventually fades out as he pushed himself too far. In a change of plan, when exploding lava erupts and cuts off the X-Men's 
escape, they managed to get themselves to the already rising airship. Along with the other survivors, they board the airship and watch from above how the city is engulfed in fire and lava. But the X-Men are not safe yet, as the airship directly flies into a huge storm and begins to be ripped apart and that's where this issue finishes dun, dun, dun. so out of the frying pan into the fire wouldn't you say <laughs> pretty much literally into fire almost. <laughs> oh, 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 well, it's, in this case it's out of the fire and uh, yeah into the maelstrom of the wind it seems <laughs> yeah mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, overall a very good issue i think it uh didn't seem to be bogged down a lot it kind of moved right along oh right? yeah well yeah. for me yeah yes it moves along at a pace which is good um i really like the artwork in these issues it's it seems to be getting better with each issue for me and the colors too i think gregory wright is doing a fabulous job on the colors yeah i agree with you i yeah. I, I think they are doing really well they uh yeah really uh, match the the tone and the era very well mm. the uh, the expressions that Byrne is getting on Beast are really phenomenal. I think, and on Angel as well, they just yeah. turn out really good. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. That actually, I'd made a note of that just overall that the uh, the expressions that he's he's drawing on the different characters is really good. Yeah. Yeah, you can really see that even even with the text that goes with it. Mm. You know, a lot of times I think some. Sometimes the art seems to not put a lot into the, the facial expressions because it's just relying on the, the text to tell you right. what's happening. But here mm. you have a little bit of text, but you also have the expressions that are really enforcing or then he can even tell less tell the story with less words. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely see their anguish or pain or frustration, etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 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 A lot of interaction between Marvel Girl and Magneto mm. here. And I, I kind of like that. Uh, so I kind of got the feeling from Magneto or some of the interactions with her, with them, that he recognizes that she, I think he just kind of recognized her as a misguided youth. You know, um, he he thinks that she's just, I, I think that he thinks she's doing what she thinks is right, but he mm. is, he believes her to be misguided by Xavier. So I don't yeah. really think he like hates her or, or anything like that. He's just like, well, you know what? You're not going to change your mind. You're misguided, uh, but uh, I'm just going to continue on with what I'm going to do. Yeah, I guess yeah, he could have just shredded her right away, but he didn't. Yeah. I think he wanted yeah. to give her. I don't think because she is a mutant, he wants all mutants to have a chance mm. to come over to his side of the the vision for mutant kind and Homo Superior. Right, right, yeah. Oh yeah, I got that impression from yes, uh, probably one of the conversations they were having actually in the last issue, in issue three that he certainly didn't want to kill her or do her any harm yeah he i i, I almost thought you know oh he's got a soft spot for marvel girl <laughs> <laughs> so he perhaps liked to take her under his wing as it were um yeah and, and that's what that it... he's trying to kind of persuade her that you know he's per perhaps got the right idea and and not xavier yeah mm -hmm. mm. yeah and and 
Well, yeah, at this point, we didn't know Magneto's backstory, so we don't know why he might have that soft spot. I mean, later it was retconned that he had a daughter, but in actually mm-hmm. this era, that that didn't that storyline didn't exist. Yeah, so I think, yeah. yeah, he's probably more maniacal about actually taking over the world and creating mm-hmm. a place for mutants yes. and either excising or enslaving humans uh, to to serve um, mutant kind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of the things then we learned at the beginning of this issue is that Magneto's ghostly form is is it's not a problem. It's his astral projection. He, he can do that, which maybe we'd forgotten about, but he did use that very early on mm-hmm. in the X Men series. Can you remember offhand? I do remember it happening, but when exactly it was what issue, I don't know. Right. Well, for definite, he first used his ability to project himself in X-Men number six when he went to look for Submariner. Right. Okay. To yep. to, uh, to try and get him to join the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So he went down to Atlantis in the astral form. Yeah, that's the that's the first time for definite. Although there could have been an earlier time, but it's not clear. In in X-Men number four, there's a page that has two panels on it where uh, Xavier and Magneto are talking, they're communicating mentally with one another, having a bit of an argument. Uh, but they show it on the panels in the comic by showing their astral forms facing one another. And they appear to be floating in space with the Earth just behind them. Now, whether that is the first use of their astral form being shown or whether that was just the visual way Kirby wanted us to see the conversation, if you like, it's not clear. Yeah. So so that could have been the first appearance of the astral forms in X-Men number four. But Mm -hmm. as I say, it's only two panels of them kind of arguing with one another. And I guess for the sake of visuality, is that a word? It is now. Uh, <laughs> for the sake of that, but he drew he drew it like that. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely, X Men Six uh, was when Magneto projected his astral form because it shows you him sit down in like an easy chair, and then the astral forms getting up out of his body, like like Doctor Strange does. Yeah. So yeah, that's what, it, sorry, go on. No, I was, I was like, oh, it's interesting that they had this. It was rarely used, it seems, except for when it was convenient to the story. And um, even as a kid, I wasn't sure that I really thought that Magneto should have this kind of power. It just seemed a little too convenient at times. But. Yeah, well, yeah, I think I, I was on the same idea with that because I thought, well, yeah, with Xavier, his power is the mind. So yeah. you can imagine he can do that. But like Magneto, he, you know, he's more of a, I don't know, a physical power in a way. Yeah. Uh, how come he can suddenly do that as well? But people like Gene, for example, can't can't do that. Um, so, yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a... It's a use when necessary kind of uh, of power or gift. Yeah. So we find out that he's physically he's okay more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It goes back into his body. He's not a ghost. No, he's not a ghost. Right. And also, I don't know whether you thought the same, but you know the the there's just one page with Bobby on in this issue where he's arguing about not being able to go any further towards Antarctica. Mm-hmm. He's in Tierra del Fuego. And if you just look at the bottom picture, it's just his face. I see Peter Parker. 
Yeah, I guess way, it could be. The I way mean, he's drawn, it's it's rather Peter Parker-ish. Especially <laughs> since he was he had just done that with uh, chapter one. So yeah, and he was doing the yeah, and he was doing the uh, Amazing Spider-Man at the time. Yeah, but I thought oh, that the, on some of the other pictures it's Bobby. You know the way he's drawn him on oh, the, okay. the the above panels, but just that one I thought oh that looks very much like Peter Parker. Yeah. Put it put it this way, I've seen. Worse pictures, which were supposed to be Peter Parker, <laughs> which didn't look as much like him as this does. Yeah, not not drawn by Byrne, of course, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen worse renditions of Parker that were meant to be him. Yeah, yeah. so I, th- I thought that was. It just struck me that it looks like Peter Parker. I, I, it could. I never. I didn't see that that way because <laughs> it had just focused on that as Bobby, so it just looked like Bobby. Yeah. Anything else in particular that you want to point out from the issue art-wise? The scenes of the lava, uh, once the, the lava really started flowing and the buildings yeah. started getting, or the, the city started being destroyed, those were some magnificent panels Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and pages. They were just, uh, and I imagine a lot of it's due to the coloring mm-hmm. of it as well, but uh, just so much detail in there, like, well... I don't yeah. know what page it is because there's no, no page numbers on it. I, I, I'm I'm on the first one where, where Angel's following Avia and they have to duck into cover and then there's an eruption. And yeah, and I, I'm on the same wavelength as you with regards to the things I'm picking out as uh, as being impressive. Yeah, as I say, and as that lava bursts out, an angel and the way the colorists got the the sort of light of from the lava sort of throwing an orangey glow onto Angel, for example, and, you know, highlighting his facial features in that way. It's very good, yeah. Yeah, mm. and then uh, later on, when they it actually just starts completely taking over, it was just... Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the, the story just really moved forward, uh, which was a mm. really good pace to keep it going. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I kind of like that the, the that they just wrapped up uh, Magneto's body and and Beast just carrying it around. They're like, we're gonna take a body back to Xavier, regardless whether <laughs> yeah. dead or alive. We're taking something back to him. <laughs> yeah, this guy's unconscious, so yeah, let's take him back just to prove yeah. that yeah, we've got him now. But that proves yeah. he's still alive as well. Xavier might have wanted to hear that he was dead, or am I being too nasty? But <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, seeing how Burn is. Uh, depicting xavier and some of this i think he, mm. this this version of xavier might have wanted him dead the original <laughs> yeah. one up until this point was a little bit was very um forgiving and he believed the good in everyone and everyone yeah. could be converted so he still thought there was hope for magneto but mm. i i think this savior would be like yeah you should have just tossed him into that lava pit <laughs> i've been yeah. done with it yeah so that, anyway, that, that's the way so, it looks like the savior. Yeah, to me. yeah. Oh, one other thing I picked out, uh, not so much visual, but uh, you know how Beast's always using the uh, super vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a classic one in here that I really liked. Um, again, I don't know what page it is because there's no numbers, but just after they've knocked out Magneto, if you can find that page where Beast wallops him. Yeah, if you turn over to the next page and they're all trying to escape and getting the uh, getting the slaves to follow them. Gene uses a telepathic kind of call to tell them to follow them. 
And then Beasts says, yeah, a preeminent Pied Piper impression, Miss Gray. But there is a particularly nasty example of Musca Domestica in the body balm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And at first I thought, hey, what's he on about? And then I suddenly thought, ah, hang on, Mus flying the ointment. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I love it. I'm going to try and start using that instead of flying the ointment. This is yeah. There's just one. On. There's just one Musca Domestica in the body bar. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I, yeah. The way he uses the vocabulary for the beast is fabulous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really yeah. going above and beyond what they did before, even with Stan and Roy Thomas. And, yeah, he, absolutely. He really pulls these uh, phrases and words out. So I thought that was good. Rather humorous. And then Cyclops blasts his way through the mountain. Yeah, that was uh, quite he, a strain. <laughs> yeah, he seemed to do it quite easily, though, didn't he? But, until he collapsed, of course. Yeah. Yeah, then he collapses, just shut down. Yeah, and that, that page there, City was finally succumbing. Then in the yeah. final, the next to the final pages was just, wow. Yeah, when they're looking, yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, getting to the height where they could jump onto the uh, the ship, the airship that's floating away. They mm -hmm. have to catch the airship, a beast carrying Magneto and Cyclops and still managing to run up the side of the building. <laughs> yeah, that seems... Uh, but strength, eh? Yeah, a lot of strength <laughs> there. And I didn't know that he had that kind of uh, ability mm. to stick to buildings like that. But Digs his toes into the... To the crevices of the the concrete. Oh, all that work in the danger room's paying off. Yeah, yeah it is. See? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then we end with a final uh, explosion, and the ship is falling apart. Dun, dun, it like certainly is. Yeah, it looks like yeah. it's already blown itself apart on that picture. Overall, uh, just really action packed and moves along. It, you know, it seems like it's moving along a little quicker than I seem to have remembered it. Right. Uh, I kind of was misremembering some stuff. Maybe some of the slowdown comes later, but these first few issues have just been really um, uh, going along at a good pace. Yes, they have. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. It did seem, yeah, as you say to me, though, the first time I read it, it did seem to be taking place at a slower pace. You know, because I was thinking, oh, uh, issue four now and we're moving into issue five because it's not over yet. And we're still on the same storyline, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess that's because being used to the more, you know, stories that are usually two issues, three issues long was kind of the norm more often than not. Yeah. yeah, if they were going to do uh, any kind of uh, uh, extended story, it was usually two or three issues uh, in that era. Yeah, yeah. And you only got things going beyond that if they were like special, yeah, like special projects. You usually get a four-part story, I guess, but that was about the limit. But of course, these, yeah, I keep forgetting, these were the year 2000. We'd moved on a bit from the 70s, 80s. Yeah, we'll see yeah. if it wraps up in issue six for a trade collection. <laughs> yeah. That's so issue four. Yeah. yeah, excellent. All right. So moving issue. on to issue five, yeah. Issue five, a wonderful cover of all of the X-Men in a uh, whirlpool and Magneto and Avia, um, uh, very much uh, reminiscent of old days types of things. Love it. Um, it's yeah. called 
Riders on the Storm. There's a song in there somewhere, isn't there? There is, yeah. <laughs> Riders um, on the Writer Storm. penciler is John Byrne, inker Tom Palmer, colorist Greg Wright, cover by John Byrne, and the editor Jason Liebig. It is cover dated April 2000, and it was on sale February 2nd of 2000. And other books by John Byrne on sale in the month of February of that year, Spider-Woman number 10, Amazing Spider-Man 16, uh, Marvel The Lost Generation 11, and A Piece for DC, Batman Gotham Knights number 2. So that was quite a busy month for him. Yeah, yeah. Publication wise, now he might have had some of these in the can for a bit, but uh, <laughs> but we do know he was very very quick at his his artists, so um, he probably was able to churn a bunch of those out simultaneously. Yeah, well, I do believe I was reading a letter in one of these. It was either issue four or this one. I can't, I'm just looking at this one's letters now, and I don't see the answer. So it may, might have been the other one. Anyway, someone had written a letter and they said, I hope this uh, this title runs beyond... Oh, it's there, yeah. I really like the X-Men, The Hidden Years. I wish it could go past six issues. Yeah. And their reply is, well, Brendan, since Big John has just finished penciling the seventh issue, we think you're safe on your wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he's already, he, yep. he'd already done the next issue. Yeah. Got that in the can. And, yeah. So, do you want the do we want the synopsis first or talk about the cover? What's uh, do you want to talk about the cover? Yeah, let's do. So let's it is a, a really interesting so, cover. Mm. The uh, beast is uh, the predom- the the first one we see is the largest character. Uh, he's reaching out to Marvel Girl, Angel, and Avia are also caught up. Cyclops um, floating there along with Magneto way at the end, and it all circles around his signature there in the center. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He is, is he is the eye of the storm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's which true. Is titled into the maelstrom or into mm. the, yeah into the maelstrom. Into the maelstrom. Yeah. Yep. So on the cover, I did not find <laughs> the number the again. Number, so, right. Okay. And I, I did look several times, and I even mm-hmm. have an electronic version of it, and I expanded <laughs> it as much All as right. I could, looked around, and yeah, so. Then the camouflaging of this number really worked for uh, for Burn on this, as far as you're concerned. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm surprised you've not seen it, if you've had the chance to like expand it as well. Or perhaps you just didn't recognize it. But yeah, so, okay, again, it's on one of the figures, because there are a lot of lines in, on this, yeah, with all the maelstrom effect and everything. There's tons of lines. It's on a character. Okay. A yeah. character with wings. Oh, huh. That uh, that brings it down a bit. Yeah, narrows it down. Yeah, at first I thought it might have been in Beast Nostrils, but that wasn't yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. So you, you get that you see these numbers in in everything, and you think, you know, is that sort of an obscure number, such and such? And then you think, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I see well, what you mean. Yeah, but. Depending on what number you're looking for, of course. But mm, okay. I'm still not finding it yet, so let's right. move on in the interest of time. <laughs> well, shall I tell you then? Yeah. Go ahead. It's on Angel. Okay. It's on. It's on his left wing. If you turn your your issue so that the spine is the top and look at his left wing, 
just below his left armpit, you will see a seven, and then oh, the nat- okay. and then the natural line of the wing that follows it is the one. Wow, so seventy-one. Yeah. yeah, very tricky indeed. <laughs> yeah, I see it now. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, like you said, he's definitely making it more into a game. Which he is. is yeah, which is fun. Yeah. So here we go with the synopsis. A car pulls up to Xavier's school for gifted youngsters, driven by Candy Southern. She gets out, looks around, starts to walk around the mansion, and uh, seeing that it seems uh, strangely quiet, she's hoping she walks around the side, knowing that there's some booby traps, hoping to get caught. Then she's surprised by a robotic sentry who in my opinion, looks suspiciously like ROG 2000. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> and entraps her in a net. She's then greeted by Professor Xavier, who tells her he knows why she's there, and he does not seem to be too pleased about it at all. In Tierra del Fuego, South America, Iceman has uh, still waiting to get across. Uh, he's caught a flight to uh, take him closer to uh, Antarctica. But contemplating the storm that is ranging around him, Uh, stretching from South America to the east coast of Africa. The pilot refuses to take him any further because it's too dangerous and they have to stay there. He's none too pleased about it. And he decides that the only way to reach the savage land is under his own steam or ice, so to speak. And he creates an ice tunnel to slide through and begins a 700-mile journey to Antarctica. If he makes it all the way, I will be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, above the Savage Land, the X-Men, Marvel Girl, Beast, Angel, and an unconscious Cyclops, along with Avia, the also unconscious captive uh, Magneto, and two Nugari are in what's left of an airship caught in the middle of the storm. Well, the storm and the heat caused by all the lava. The airship is rapidly falling apart, and despite Marvel Girl's attempts to hold it together with her telekinesis, she realizes that the fact that some of the airship, uh, which is falling apart, is actually going to help her hold what's left of it together. Uh, Magneto awakens, and we get an exchange of his disappointment at not being able to conquer the world once again, how weak humans are, and how the X-Men have underestimated him. Thinking the vessel is doomed, uh, he jumps out into the storm to take care of it under his own power, causing Avia to blindly dive out and follow him. Considering that Avia previously saved his life, Angel jumps out to go find her and bring her back, despite the Beast's attempts to convince him of the futility of the move. Again, meanwhile, in the Savage Land, Havoc and Magnetrix accompany Kazar, as they investigate a plume of smoke over mountain range in a part of the Savage Land that is strange to Kazar. Uh, back in the airstrip, there's a lot of back and forth here. So, yep. <laughs> uh, back in the air, airstrip, uh, Beast ties a uh, bungee rope to himself, jumps out to get Angel, and despite the winds blowing around in the storm, he manages to catch a hold of Angel's ankle, and they pull back into the airship. Angel is none too pleased that the Beast prevented him from saving Avia, who he believes is on a misguided quest to save Magneto. Marva Girl then assures Angel that she can sense Avia is, was nowhere near him and that uh, he wouldn't have been able to find her anyway. And when Angel asks then, that, that does that mean that uh, Avia is alive? She says, well, she's kind of alien, so I really can't sense her anymore. So that kind of was weird to me that she's like, oh, I sense that you wouldn't have found her. But then she's like, well, I can't sense her because she's alien. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. 
As the last of the gondola starts to fall apart, Beast realizes that their only chance is to lash themselves to the remaining four balloons filled with radioactive steam and to let the wind carry them as it will. They do so, meaning tying, tying themselves to the balloons, including tying Scott to one, while the Nugari plummet with the disintegrating vessel. Beast vocalizes that though he wants to find sympathy for him, they deserve their fate due to the centuries of enslaving others. As the wind starts to separate the balloons, Marvagol jumps over to the balloon-carrying Cyclops, uh, not wanting him to be alone. As the four mutants are separated, Angel and Beast wish each other good luck. Hours pass, and after passing out, we follow the Beast's balloon to have him wake up uh, with his balloon dropping fast over a jungle. Um, once he wakes up, he alights from the balloon, laps uh, falling through the trees, which shreds his costume to pieces and himself, I imagine. Then he drops to the ground and laps into unconsciousness, not seeing the approaching bejeweled feet of none other than the beautiful, graceful young girl, the goddess Aurora. And that ends the story. And most of this was taken from the Marvel fandom database. Right. Yeah. They had a very good one, but I just embellished it with a few other little bits here and there. Mm -hmm. Yep, really nice. There we go, Nigel. Thoughts? Great stuff. Well, again, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Artwork was gorgeous again. I've got one or two things to bring up about that. Yeah, uh, the story was, yeah, mainly about the uh, escaping gondola this time. Yeah, so most of our most of the story centered around the uh, the 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 main cast was the the four X Men and Magneto and Avia. Mm -hmm. Um, that were yeah, as you say, they're uh, starting from the the beginning. Yeah, the 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 century, the robot century. Yeah, uh, yeah, looks looks a little bit like Rog two <laughs> Rog two thousand. Not completely, <laughs> but yeah, you can see yeah, there's a similarity there. That was something. Yeah, uh, the X Men never had anything like that before this did they uh, uh, like a robot sentry or anything i don't recall one no I, I found it weird that he suddenly brought this robot sentry thing into it because we'd never seen any sign of anything like this in the original previous stories they sometimes had a couple of robots that they'd fight in the danger room mm -hmm. as an, as antagonists but not to have like a like a security guard robot around the actual mansion yeah he just wanted to get the robots thing into it i think yeah yeah, yeah. possibly so <laughs> yeah it's like so. I, I haven't been able to do raj anywhere else so i'm going to bring <laughs> a version of them here yeah, and then as you said, Iceman yeah decides to go it alone from Tierra del Fuego to uh, to Antarctica, seven hundred miles. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna run out of ice, I'm sure. Well, considering that he converts <laughs> moisture into ice, I guess uh, he will. Well, uh, no, uh, I suppose yeah, he's got plenty of water underneath him for most of the trip. Yeah, but but if he's going along a, a storm-driven sea, mm. as crazy and choppy as that water is that's going to be quite a tumble on on that mm -hmm. uh, ice tumble yeah. I don't know how yeah. he, he, he's not able to stabilize oh. it so it's going to be bouncing all over the place and how does he know <laughs> what direction to go in i mean does he have an internal compass i mean True. you can't just say oh it's that way i mean once yeah. i've been yeah. at sea once you're out there you have no landmarks mm -hmm. you have no idea what direction you're going in mm -hmm. until mm -hmm. you can see the sun or the stars right. he has none of that <laughs> no it's it's night time and it's 
It's a howling storm, yeah. Yeah, he has yeah. nothing to guide him. I don't oh, know dear. how he's going to make it to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we'll find out later. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'd made a note of something here about Bobby. Oh, yeah, when he's talking to himself, and then just as he's icing up, he says, I know there's some kind of tunnel that connects this tip of South America to the Savage Land, yeah, to the hidden jungle. But he says, but... Uh, and we and we used it last time we were here, which it says see uncanny X Men sixty two. Yeah. So when they went to the Savage Land after Carl Lycos, they obviously used this tunnel wherever it is. And he said he didn't have time to search for it, and so he sets off on his own using his ice power. So I went back to issue sixty two to search for it myself. Mm-hmm. And actually, in that issue, you never see them find and use the tunnel. The first time you see the the, the first time you see the characters who followed Lycos in issue sixty two, they're already in the Savage Land and they're being attacked by a T Rex. So it was easy for Byrne to come up with that kind of explanation and thought for Bobby because yeah we never saw the tunnel so you know it seems feasible that he's not got time to look for it now and he doesn't know where it is that's because we never saw it either yeah it it was never created in the story before well it seemed like that it was through some sort of mountainous cavern yeah right because that's where yeah that's, Carl Lycos fell, fell off the cliff, mm. Mm. and then he tump- he somehow he ended up in the Savage Land. Yes, and yeah. Then, so mm. yeah, um, but it didn't seem like mm. that was mm. at the sea level because they were pretty high up. No, yeah. snow covered, and it was mm. the top mm. of a mountain. Yeah, I was going to say to me the place where Bobby is now in this, he's not in the same place anyway as where they were with Lycos. So yeah. He won't find the tunnel there because <laughs> no, it's not no. there. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. So he perhaps made the right decision to try and get there under his own yep. steam. No, ice. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Um, I got to say that if I was in that ship, I'd be heaving all over the place. I, don't, <laughs> I cannot imagine them yeah. getting tossed around like that and someone not um, throwing. Not being sick. Throwing, yeah. Not having mm, sick. Mm, mm. Um, I, yeah. I don't care. Unless your mutant power is, I don't get sick. But yeah, that that seems guess, yeah. Yeah, only the angel in Avia would probably be okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the look on uh, Zav- or on Magneto's face, right, right as he's waking up and looking around and giving his little speech, just uh, really exudes the sheer determination and mm. almost madness yeah. that he has for his for his quest. Uh, you know, you see the one we're talking. It's that big one with him and uh, the big image of him in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's saying, "All humans yeah, yeah. are weak." Yeah. 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 Um, just wow! It's so such a good mm. there to uh, show his hatred and his contempt and his you know like, again his his borderline madness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good, good shot. This is such a fast paced issue, except for the couple of pages where it slowed down, gave us a break, a breather. Yeah, uh, interlude. Of, yeah, those little interludes. Uh, but they were they were short and mm. quick enough. And then um, oh yes, talking of Kazar, did he get a haircut? <laughs> 
because I remember Kezar uh, having longer hair than this. Yeah. Over uh, the years, I mean, yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah the, depends on. The last time I can remember him appearing in it, I mean, I never read the Kezar, the Savage issues, but the last time I remember him from anything would be in Avengers in the 80s. Uh, and he had really long hair then mm-hmm. when he was and he, when he, when he, when he was living there with Shana. Yeah, he's probably been to the barbers. But yeah, I thought, oh yeah, his hair's back to that shorter style that he perhaps had when they first encountered him mm-hmm. way back in X-Men 10. Anyway, and he's swinging along there on the vines like Ron Eli. Yeah. yeah, so it'd be interesting. I can't remember exactly what that story is. So uh, this is, this is kind of interesting because it's going to be like new revelation for me. I'll remember it as it goes along. Yeah. But thinking about it now, like I don't remember what they're going to find on the other yeah, side. Yeah. What, what did they do next? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's. So I'm still intrigued by the mystery of it. Mm. Uh, and I've, then for, we, I've forgotten that as well. Yeah. What? Yeah. Excellent. And, uh, and then we get back to just the uh, the layouts for the ship falling apart and mm. capturing him. It just reminds me of those those old films where you, you have like a, sh- a ship tossed at sea and uh, all the sailors are trying to batten down the hatches and uh, yeah. keep everything secure. I'm just right. I, this is just mm. like it reminds me of those mm. things so much. And just all of that power mm. and that energy. You're like, oh, what's mm. going to happen? Are they really yeah. going to survive? Yeah. What? <laughs> Or even one or two scenes from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea are a bit like that, where they're struggling in the submarine, again, sort of like to get the to get the hatches down and stuff like that, and the storms and giant octopuses attacking, that sort of thing. I particularly liked the, the way Byrne did, you know, the page where Beast jumps out on a bungee. He's mm-hmm. looking for Angel and he uses the lightnings flashing, cracking down in the sky. And he uses the lightning on one page to act as the panel dividers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you see it? I think yeah. that was it's really good effect. So it's actually it's all one picture with four images of the Beast. And then he's just used the lightning to separate them into four panels. Yeah, good. It was a very clever way to use that. It's nice. Yeah. It, yeah. Something different. He he did definitely go through a lot of different um, panel shapes and divide yes. divisions, uh, really yeah. breaking a lot of the the norm of a lot of books. Yeah. So uh, quite quite interesting ways to create those concepts and to bring those those images out. Yeah. Overlapping indeed. in some ways. Uh-huh. And, yeah. All these panel shapes at different angles. He'll, he'll be giving Kirk a headache. <laughs> I've heard Kirk mention about the the panels of hidden years. I think he mentioned it in in a podcast and said it was sending him a bit dozzy. <laughs> <laughs> this one definitely will, for sure. Yeah. Together to be separated again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're all drifting apart, and it's like, oh dear, now what? So we're going to be following four different stories now, you know, or three different stories. Anyway, you know, what happens to the beast? What happens to Gene and Scott? Where does Angel go? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And then we end up with beast falling through, um, through trees and into a jungle thing. And then interestingly, where he brings Aurora in. um, So nice uh, connection. Mm. And here's Aurora. I mean, she's in Africa. So how did Beast get to Africa? Well, the storm, without giving anything away, I like the way he handled and brought her in, you know, because I I thought at first, oh, come on, you know, 
we don't know about Storm yet in in this time period and yeah but you know she is young enough to have been like that at this time um yeah here she's probably about 13 14 and so and and why not because she was like treated like a a goddess in Africa because Mm -hmm. of her abilities i mean she doesn't know that she's a a mutant yet probably so yeah it works yeah nice pictures of beast floating on his (laughs) balloon there there's one where he's quite up close again and the face yeah stern face as he's hanging off when he's thinking about the healing influences that they might get from the gas in the (laughs) balloons that's nice Thinking ahead to when he plummets to the earth, he's like, "Well, I hope my broken body will be will be resuscitated by the fading gases of the balloon." Yeah, because here we go, yeah, Geronimo, yeah. and he really takes a beating on the way down. But look at that! By the time he reaches the floor, there's hardly any costume left. It's yeah. nearly need the comic nearly needs an X certificate. <laughs> it's got nothing on, hardly. He really gets wrecked up there. <laughs> I do like the that picture that you just mentioned, the, the one where it shows him um, mm. holding and talking about the influences, how how determined the face is on that image and how yes. it almost looks like he's uh, reining in a horse with that balloon, the way he's got his two hands <laughs> wrapped yeah, around there. Yes. It's like, you know, I'm going to control, I'm going to try to move this in some direction or somehow mm. uh, before you finally probably relents and just... Yeah. lashes himself to it and then he's gonna yeah. let it go the yeah but yeah he's got that look of yeah you know it it's not going anywhere i don't want it to yeah <laughs> you know i'm gonna hang on here but then he falls asleep obviously and yeah and he drifts into calmer calmer winds as it were yeah so it takes him along then and he has a quick nap yeah yeah mm-hmm. excellent now normally i don't have anything but praise for john burns artwork as you know but being a but being a virgo i am also a critic by heart okay. and i spotted and i spotted a couple of things so i thought i'd just mention them you know just to prove that bernie's not perfect uh, <laughs> people will probably say I, i'm i'm nitpicking here and i probably am but i thought i'd just raise them the first one on page two with Candy Southern, bottom left hand, the, the 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 long thin panel showing her legs and the little spy thing picking her up. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. she's just tripped the uh, the trap, as it were. Look at the length of her boot on the right leg to the length of her boot on the left leg. <laughs> now, okay, you were going to point out. <laughs> People might say, but perspective here. Yeah, I get that. But when you look at her legs, they're more or less together. Yeah, she's not standing with her legs wide apart or anything like that. So the gap, the distance difference between her right leg and her left leg is not much, probably right. only about half a foot, as in your human foot. So that left boot, to me, the way it's been drawn, it's far too short. What do you think? I mean, maybe if it was just not quite as high as the right boot, maybe by, say, a millimeter or so, that would be more in line with the perspective here. You're right. But that left boot is far too short compared to the right boot. Uh, Well, actually, it's it's probably closer to what it should be based on the, the, the look above. They're basically above the ankle. So it's the right boot that's uh, too long. <laughs> but yeah, it, they are out of proportion. <laughs> but she, yeah, but also she's moved again by the time you get to the next picture. I mean, she's standing on a 
left leg now and her right leg's kind of floating up. So the gap between the feet has increased. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But that yeah. looks better than the, you know, the one I'm pointing out yeah. where I think the difference is too, too vast. Whether yeah. it be, yeah, whether it be one's too short or the other's too long. Yeah. So I thought that's worth the mention. Yep, and the other <laughs> one? And the other one is on the third from last page. So, yeah, just go back from where the, the from where Storm is and Beast crashing through the trees to the one where he's last hanging on to the balloon. Yep. Bottom of the... He's only got four toes on his right foot. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anything where I don't see anything where you can say, oh, well, the fifth toe is, you know, in such and such a place or it's obscured by such and such a thing. It's not the way they're drawn. They're very definite. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Where's the little toe? It's gone. <laughs> but I just thought, oh, that's not like uh, Mr. Byrne. Because actually I saw that and thought, have I been missing the fact that Beast only has four toes? So mm-hmm. I flicked back through and I'm like, no, on all these other pictures, he's got five toes, which I always thought he did have. Yeah. Yep. I'm looking at a page and each foot has five toes each. So yeah, yep, just a little, little mishap there. Whoops. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? I want my money back, Marvel. As I say, yeah, nitpicking <laughs> to the end, but that's me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to have something to, to point out. Yeah, it's the kind of thing Brian would probably say. Did you notice that Hank's only got four toes? Yeah, he, he, Brian probably would notice that. He notices a lot. He's eagle yeah. eyed that one. Well, that was a good story uh, so yes. far. Very that issue five was very action packed. I mean, it's so much so that someone might have felt a little cheated. Like, hey, this just went too quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this was and, a good story. Uh, yeah. Or good issue. So, um, I'm really enjoying reading these again. Yeah. And I'm I'm enjoying them because I'm I'm really glad to be back with the original X Men. This is fun. Yeah, true. I I, I enjoyed the original X Men. Well, unless there's anything else, I guess that brings us to the end yeah, of issues four and just, five. Yeah, okay. that just about does it for this run. Yeah, issues four and five. Next issues will be six and six seven. And seven. Yeah, and yeah. more fun with the hidden numbers. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna look at them a lot more, a lot more earlier too. I'm gonna start making my own game of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a good little uh, bit frustrating sometimes, but now if I remember rightly, six and seven. Seven is the one that I'm not a hundred percent on. I ah, think okay. I, I think I've found it, but I'm. Uh, I to be honest, I'm not absolutely sure that that's it it's just that i can't find anything else and number six uh let me just say it would have been easy but there's a little bit of a mishap that makes it a bit harder i'll leave it at that and see what you think or come up with Mm. and the intrigue begins all right (laughs) where can they find us if they want to get in touch they can find us on Facebook at Third Degree Burn, and that's with the number three, three RD Degree Burn. And they can order, uh, they email us at gottagetburned at gmail.com. And of course, we always appreciate some feedback on uh, and reviews on um, Apple and other podcasts so that that kind of helps the podcast get seen a little bit easier and float to the top. That's right. Thanks for sharing these experience, these X-Men yes, with me. Yes, thank you. I look forward to the next two.
Right, so it's goodbye from me, the man in Japan. Have a good one, Nigel. Thanks a lot. And you, yes. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gottagetburned at gmail.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-G-E-T-B-Y-R-N-E-D at gmail.com. Drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Till next time, this has been Third Degree Burn. Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn.